Hello and welcome back. I'm Steve Murphy, a trust and estates attorney with McGuire Woods LLP. And this is Once Removed, my podcast on estate planning, trusts, property, taxes, family, legacy, and everything else on my mind. This episode addresses a question I get pretty regularly, when to use a trust, when to have a gift or a bequest held in a long-term irrevocable trust for a beneficiary. This question can't be answered in just one episode. Rather, as I think you know by now, this really would need to be covered in a few episodes. But this first episode is on the general question of trusts. So notably, when we talk about trusts here, we're not gonna talk yet about who. We're not gonna talk about the cast of characters involved. So we're not gonna talk about who the beneficiaries would be. The beneficiaries could be an individual or a group of individuals. It could be a charity or a group of charities or a donor advised fund or a private foundation. We'll cover some of those questions in a later episode. And we're not gonna talk about the trustees. That again will be the subject of a later episode. Instead, in this first episode on trusts, we'll discuss the question of how. What's the structure of how those assets are held for the benefit of these individuals? If you've listened to my other episodes, then you know that by now I like to talk about options and a spectrum. But here, it's actually more of a dichotomy. When funds pass to a beneficiary during life or upon death, they could pass really in two general ways, outright or in trust. If the assets pass outright, then that's simple and that's easy and that's efficient. In fact, if you're interested in outright bequests, you could accomplish that using beneficiary designations and joint ownership. And that's the subject of a prior episode. But this outright gift is simple, but it's really simple to a fault. The funds pass to that person and then the funds are theirs for all purposes. So what's the problem? Well, to unpack that potential problem, we need to talk about four potential benefits of using a trust structure. And I'll summarize those here. Those four are estate tax savings, asset protection, that is protection from a beneficiary's creditors, determining who benefits initially once you make the gift, and then determining who benefits eventually, such as after a beneficiary's death. We'll talk about those four in the next few minutes. So the first potential benefit of using a trust has to do with estate tax savings. I start with that because many clients are really concerned about minimizing or avoiding estate tax in the future. If you leave assets to a person those funds are then included in their estate for estate tax purposes, and those funds could trigger estate tax at that person's death. But if you've listened to some of my other episodes, you know that this might not be as much of a concern now. Estate tax used to be much more of a concern. As I mentioned in a prior episode, the estate tax exemption currently is very high. It's $12.92 million per person for 2023. And spouses can double up this exemption through a process called portability. Now, I should also mention that exemption is scheduled to be cut in half in 2026. But again, this exemption right now is very high. So few people need to worry about estate tax planning for themselves, let alone estate tax planning for their beneficiaries. So this first aspect of estate tax savings might be a concern, but it's not the only concern, or maybe not the driving force of deciding whether to leave funds outright or in a trust. In fact, when we review old estate plans, we find that many of those plans set up 20 or 30 years ago used trusts, maybe trusts for the benefit of the surviving spouse, 
or trust for the benefit of the children. And we explain to clients that you may not need those trusts anymore in order to avoid or minimize estate tax. Then the question comes up, if estate tax is no longer that primary concern, what are the other benefits of trusts? And this leads us to the second benefit that a lot of my clients sees on, and that's creditor protection. In this day and age, creditors are a reality, and a beneficiary might have a creditor from any number of places. The beneficiary might hit someone with their car and not have sufficient liability coverage. They might guarantee a business loan, or they might face a professional lawsuit, like if they're a physician or an investment advisor or an architect or an accountant, or yes, a lawyer. Even something as simple as a credit card debt, someone could have that type of creditor. You also might worry about taxing authorities like the IRS. Those creditors can seize an individual's individual assets. So if those assets go outright, you might put them in the path of that creditor. But there's an important concept called a spendthrift trust. If you leave assets in trust for another person's benefit, then as long as the trust has certain language, then those assets can be protected from that person's creditors. Now, importantly, that protection only exists when the assets are inside the trust. Once they're distributed out, the assets no longer have that protection. So just imagine the protection the beneficiary would have. The funds will be shielded from, for the most part, that beneficiary's creditors. But also imagine that peace of mind. That beneficiary can rest assured that even if there is an actual or threatened lawsuit, certain assets will be protected. Now, that being said, there are some exceptions to spendthrift protection. Notably, in many states, uh, child support creditors can continue to seize the assets in the trust. There are a few other exceptions, and the IRS plays by different rules. Uh, if there's a tax lien on a beneficiary, the rules are much more complicated. There are two more benefits of a trust, and these are related. So as the third benefit, if you leave assets in trust, you can decide who to benefit initially. So who should those beneficiaries be? That's the question I posed earlier, right, of who uh, would be the beneficiaries of the trust. And we'll discuss that question in much more detail on a later episode. But if the funds go outright, that individual can do anything and spend those assets in any way they want. And there's no duty to use funds one way or another. So you have the opportunity now to put a structure in place to hopefully ensure that the funds are used the way you would intend. But there's another concern here. That is, what if circumstances change? So you might also be concerned that if you set up an irrevocable trust, then it won't be adaptable and might not be able to adjust to change circumstances. And that flexibility might be a concern too. Now, there's another aspect of this, and that's the fourth benefit of trusts. Who benefits from the trust funds eventually or in the future? And this is a particular concern of a lot of my clients. A lot of clients comment that they, the client, want to benefit the primary beneficiary, like a child or a spouse. But they say if there's anything left over, then the client wants to decide where the funds go next. So consider one example of leaving assets to your children. At the child's death, maybe you want to benefit grandchildren, or maybe you do, or maybe you don't want to allow the child to benefit a surviving spouse. Or maybe you want to limit how much that child's surviving spouse can benefit. But on a related note, and this is maybe much more of a sensitive topic, consider the same issue, but in the case of a surviving spouse, of your surviving spouse. Perhaps you do want to benefit that surviving spouse during life, but then where do the funds go? You might be concerned about funds going to a new spouse if your spouse is remarried, 
or to other beneficiaries that the spouse cares about, as opposed to the beneficiaries you decided on. Now, even if assets go to the surviving spouse, they could take steps to shield some of those assets from a new spouse, maybe through a premarital agreement or the like. But many clients prefer the peace of mind and structure of leaving those assets in trust. There's also ways to provide this trust structure, but also to give flexibility to a beneficiary. We usually refer to that as a power of appointment. We'll talk about that on a later episode. So here on Once Removed, we like to close by giving you something to think about. So here's a little bit of a thought exercise. How would you feel about those two competing concerns? Simplicity and flexibility on the one hand and structure and certainty on the other. And this is where we get back to a spectrum. There are lots of ways to balance these concerns. And that's something we talk a lot about on Once Removed and something you can incorporate into your estate plan. But importantly, these are decisions you have to make now. And by the way, even if you decide to give someone else flexibility and the power to make those decisions, that is, even if you decide to put it off for another day, well, that's a decision too. And all else being equal, you might consider the default of leaving the assets in trust. Why? Well, if you leave assets outright, or if the trust is supposed to terminate, and then later someone decides that it would be better if those assets are held in trust, then it's really too late. That is, if you want the benefit, benefits of a trust in these scenarios, it's very difficult to keep assets in trust or to put assets back into trust if they're supposed to come out. And in fact, an example of that will be the subject of my next episode. It's on a recent case called Harrison, and it deals with this exact concern where assets are going to come out of a trust and go outright to a beneficiary and someone wishes that wasn't the case. But I don't want to give away too much. You'll have to wait till the next episode. I'm Steve Murphy, and this has been Once Removed, a podcast on thoughtful estate planning. Thanks for listening.